You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of Eastern Iowa's most influential business leaders. Dara Schmidt is the director of the Cedar Rapids Public Library, a nationally renowned institution that's pushing the boundaries of what a public library is. But like any good book, her path has taken some turns. A Manchester native, she originally headed out to California to pursue a career in screenwriting before pivoting to library sciences. That took her to cities all across the country before landing in Cedar Rapids to help rebuild its flagship library in the wake of 2008's devastating floods. I talked with Dara about what it means to serve this community, learning to say no to new ideas, and a World War I zombie movie made in Bulgaria. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Dara, thanks so much for, for taking the time. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. You bet. I think just to jump right into it, one of the things that's really fascinating to me is the, the role the library plays today, as it did even when I was growing up back in the, in the 80s and 90s. Can you talk a bit about how here in Cedar Rapids you view the role that the the institution that you're running and right in the heart of town, what yeah. role that plays in, in a variety of things, not only, uh, you know, community support and obviously, you know, education and literacy, but also beyond that into economic development and innovation and entrepreneurship. I mean, a library has morphed into all these different things. Can you talk a bit about your, your view on today's yeah. library? So, you know, one of the things that libraries have been saying for a while is like the library is the heart of the community. And that's definitely true in Cedar Rapids. We see, you know, all those things you just said are happening at the library. One of the things industry-wide that we're talking about right now is maybe it should be the opposite, is that the community should be at the heart of the library. And what does that sort of philosophical change mean? And how do we think about library service when we're thinking about the true needs of the community? And so absolutely, literacy is first and foremost, right? Like we need people to read, to do like almost anything in mm-hmm. the world, right. uh, you know, that's, uh, you're not going to get out of that on a day-to-day basis. And so, you know, starting with youth literacy and connecting kids to information, connecting parents, we have a new um, prenatal reading program because wow. reading to the bump is a big deal too. <laughs> okay. Like kids have to hear language and yeah. patterns of language even before they're born to do be, a, to be able to develop the, the neural connections to make those um, really true first literacy uh, um, connections so that kids are learning to read before they can even understand what a book wow. is. So, so is that literally like a, a bunch of bombs with bumps around yep. reading? Okay, literally. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of the one of the cool like prizes they get is actually because um, you know always prizes yeah. um, is a a book that has like a cutout at the bottom of the book so that it goes around the bump <laughs> so the mom can sit there the and and read to the bump so you know from from literally before people are even born all the way through um, workforce development supports adult literacy all of those things are taking place at the library and that's a really big deal but then you think about um, what's more what's beyond and so the opportunity center at the lad library opened in the last year and that's a collaboration a partnership of other people not just the library who are doing really great things in our community mm-hmm like United Way and Kirkwood and Iowa Works, um, Legal Aid is out there, HACAP is out there, like all of these communities.
community agencies who've got something to offer people who, you know, really truly are these opportunity populations. Like there's a lot of jobs available. Um, There's a lot of people who need people who can show up and come to work and what skill sets do they need to be able to make that happen. And so, you know, it's almost anything that you can make any stretch of education literacy involved it's like happening the in library's your four walls. there yeah, yeah. and there. and it really is um, it's amazing how that continues to develop and grow mm-hmm. as community needs change information needs change like the library has to be almost like a, a startup like right. that kind of flexible that kind of responsive organization and so mm-hmm. you can also see the ties between like business and government nonprofit yeah wow you got an easy job there's nothing yeah, going on in your world library that's simple <laughs> but i mean in all seriousness talk a bit about like i mean you got to come to work each day and be like holy cow there's a bazillion things i could be doing like you said the community at the heart of the library and there's yeah. a lot of needs from every community so how do you prioritize structure your day your week your month you obviously have a board that helps with that but you know this is I'm I'm assuming could be a very overwhelming job if you let it be it can be so like the first thing is you have to just understand going in that probably the work is never done right and so as long as you accept that you sleep a little bit yeah Yeah. you sleep a little better at night because like ultimately you know you can schedule things so that you're you know I'm pretty goal oriented so you got to do one thing and make something happen but that knowing and having like a really big big picture view, like five, 10, even sometimes 15 years out, like yeah. where are we going to try and go so that we can focus on what's happening right now, mm-hmm. but always be planting the seeds for what can come next. So that that's a really broad picture saying it. Um, you know, the because the community gets to be the heart of the library, yep, there are nine community members who are volunteering their time, amazingly and passionately so, to be library board members sure. who get to provide that that guidance and that structure we have a strategic plan that we're working off of Mm -hmm. like most people do um but it was a very heavily community involved strategic plan that really we're we're just finishing year one of three (laughs) years it's gonna take us five we're not gonna get it done in three years but that's okay because as we start you know new things we're seeing ooh, there's even more we can do um You know, the hardest thing for me as the director was I've been there for just over five years. It took me a solid three years to understand that, oh, right, I'm the person who's supposed to say no to things. Ah. I'm the person who's supposed to, like, actually slow things down and think about realistically what we can do Mm -hmm. because I love my work so much. I'm so passionate about libraries and what they can do. I'm always coming up with these great new ideas. Yeah. 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 And everybody else is like, yeah. Um, we need to breathe. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we did this um, organizational health thing with my direct reports, my team, where you go through and it's in, um, it's in the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. And it's an exercise where you have to be really open and upfront about the things that your team members do that hold the team back. And so radical candor. Yeah. And so basically they were like, you have to stop saying yes to things. (laughs) This was your, my team, my director was telling you that you have to stop saying yes to everything because you come up with these great things or somebody else comes up with something. And like, we just can't, like we can't possibly do all the things you want us to do. And Hmm. so how can we think about the most important things and and make that a priority? And so honestly, that's what it comes down to is, 
Yeah, I say no to things, but the team helps make the priorities together because ultimately there are so many people who are responsible for the work. Yeah. You know, across the library, we have two locations and there are 87 people who work at those two locations. And, you know, not all of them are making the big decisions every day, but they're probably all involved in the work. Right. And so you have to think about how those things are going to affect everybody else. Yeah. So back to the the your growth as a, as a manager mm-hmm. and the, the ability to kind of prioritize and eventually have to say no, like any advice on the art of saying no? I mean, it, you got to, it's probably hard because you got a community and you, you're right. I mean, you're pulled these different directions and there's, there's a lot of needs. So yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you approach that? Um, you can cheat and say not right now. That helps a lot. But a little bit, but we have, um, you know, the, the library in Cedar Rapids specifically, like after the flood, two new locations, like, you know, there was a lot of change saturation, mm-hmm. a lot of exhaustion for the staff overall, but still, again, a lot of passion for the work. Um, it, management tends to change a little bit faster than um, the basic staffing does. And right. so, you know, you would get new, new new leadership on board and still have exhaustion in the rest of staff. And so we have gone through a process um, of change management. We have a change calendar. So anybody gets to actually submit ideas for what they think like the next new big thing should be outside of, you know, the existing strategic plan, all of that. And then we, as the senior management team, once a month go through the list and we literally talk about, okay, this is a really great idea. But like, honestly, when you look at mission, vision, values, strategy, it just doesn't match. These are all changes. These are yep. like be process oriented, sort of how you do things, and then maybe even also some big picture stuff. Yep. Okay. That's good. All of it, like kind of all it's together. A great practice. And so, like that, that has really helped people. Um, and it has, it's helped the senior management team really understand that thought process and so that they're not always trying to push their own agenda, right? Because you're seeing the big picture of the organization, yeah. you're seeing things from all other departments, and so you're not always just like, for your own team, you got to be for the big picture team. But it's also helped us really focus on how we communicate the right. no to people because you have to think about the why. You can't just be like, nah, we're not doing that and move on because they they may contribute the next like greatest idea and you don't want to crush their dreams. Sure. But sometimes you have to like live in the reality of the organization, the funding, all of that. And so it's a very process-oriented way to do it, which yeah. I am typically not a process-oriented person, <laughs> but it's great to have tools to actually help you. Yeah, absolutely. Got to thread that needle a little bit. Um, yep. There's many more things I want to talk to you about the you know, library is a public space and, you know, some of the stuff in the recent news about getting yeah. getting away with fines and doing away with all, the, all that sort of stuff. But before we get there, I want to just a little, dive in a little bit more about your background okay. and how you got to that point. You were a screenwriter, right? In, 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 Briefly, yeah. In, in college or after college. Talk yep. a bit about kind of your introduction um, to not only, you know, screenwriting or literacy, but how you kind of got to this place. Okay, so I my very first job when I was growing up in Manchester, Iowa, was at the Manchester Public Library. Okay. So I was a shelver. um, And, you know, but that in Manchester meant that I ran the children's library nights and weekends. And so, you know, you you traded that job with another high school student and were on like opposite evenings with each other. And it was really fun. And I never thought in a million years that I would be a librarian or a library director. And, you know, I wanted to be a screenwriter. I loved movies. I mean, I love books. I love reading. And Mm -hmm. I just was so captivated by that as a possibility that um, I I got into uh, law school early decision at Iowa. And I got into screen writing school at the University of Southern California and my parents were like oh yeah here she goes we're gonna have our (laughs) lawyer and I was like 
bye. I'm going See to ya. Los Angeles. To California. Heading uh, west. <laughs> you know, from Manchester, Iowa. And they were, you know, I had incredibly, incredibly supportive parents who believe in me and believe in my dreams and, you know, went out there to school and learned in how incredibly hard that job is. Now, this was before the real rise of Netflix and Hulu and all of the streaming right. services. And so we really are in a place of amazing like content Creativity, growth and opportunity yeah. that we weren't you know, 20 years ago sure. when I was in school for it. And so the competitiveness of that business really meant that the people that I went to school with who have become very successful in screenwriting or movie making or the entertainment field really gave up everything else. Right. All of their personal relationships, like you're spending a whole lot of hours in dark rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it turns out I actually really like people. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was working jobs to support myself while, you know, selling uh, like maybe a few words here and there, but, you know, not really making any money at it and kind of had to come to one of those like life decisions. OK, yeah. maybe this isn't going to work out for me. But what what do I want to do with my life? And I thought back to all. What age was this when you? you so I was like twenty three, right out of college, oh, yeah. out of grad school. Okay, so out of grad school. So I had yeah, because I went to grad school for mm-hmm. screenwriting. Okay, so I've got two master's degrees. <laughs> <laughs> my parents are super happy about that. Um, but like ultimately, you know, what am I gonna what am I gonna do for the rest of my life? And I was working um, a, a corporate job mm-hmm. to support myself while I was in Los Angeles, and I just wasn't happy. Because I didn't feel like I was making a difference. Right. I wasn't really like doing things for people. And my dad's a minister. My mom's a school teacher. Like I come have that in, in your from DNA. Yeah. a life of service. Yep. And so thought about like what I didn't think I was going to be happy or satisfied without a life of service in some mm-hmm. way. And then thought to like the only job I'd ever had that I actually liked. That and library? that was when I was at that library. <laughs> and so I went back to school and then I thought I wanted to be maybe an academic librarian because my brother and sister both work for universities and they seem to really like that yeah. and then I was like I don't know that they seem really serious like <laughs> academic librarians are really serious all the time and I'm not really capable of that so started at public libraries um, worked for multiple libraries in the Los Angeles area when I was out there and then just kind of have gone with it ever since and it is never boring it is so much fun and the most common thing people think about jobs and libraries is that it's all about books and reading and it's all about people yeah that's that's an awesome irony for sure and back to the master's degree though a master's degree in library science like what are what are some of the more interesting obscure courses that you had to undertake okay so like database management like you have to be able to write and create like a database from scratch Mm -hmm. which i have never done again since library (laughs) school but um thing called the internet that probably helps software programs the most librarian database ever i created a database of sensible shoes so i thought that was important (laughs) um you know intellectual freedom and what that means, like those are mm. things I've used every day because, you know, you really have to be, you know, at the library, you think about we don't censor books, we don't censor ideas, but even like how you put a display out and what you're putting out versus what you're keeping on the shelf and not sharing wow. with people can can really affect people's access to information. Mm-hmm. So those are, you know, some of those big concept things that, you know, probably is not happening in most other master's degrees, but it was a it was a big deal in library school. Yeah. And then how did you come upon this job here in Cedar Rapids? What was your progression? You know, 
So I was working um, from Los Angeles. We went to um, suburbs of Denver, Colorado, and was working at a library there that was very progressive, like changing a lot of things and a lot of how people viewed libraries. And it was amazing, but had no money because um, you don't you do not get into libraries to get rich. <laughs> And um, okay. we had uh, we had three children under the age of two, mm-hmm. and family was still back in Iowa. And like I had been watching the video, there was a there was a live feed of the Cedar Rapids Public Library being built after mm. the flood. Sure, um, I think it was through the OPN architects. Beautiful and I, design, and yeah, and it was so cool. And I, you know, I was like, I don't know if we're ever gonna. I don't think we're ever gonna move back to Iowa. But man. If I was going to move back to Iowa, that library right there, that looks incredible. And uh, the job came open, and I thought there was no chance I was going to get it. So I went in as the total underdog, and apparently I was the top choice, (laughs) and it just sort of happened. What do do you think made you stand out in that search? Um, Because I was completely fearless because I knew (laughs) I was the underdog going in. You know, I think they, uh, they tell me to this day that it was, it was the letter. Because oh. I was back a to writer. The, the writing. Back That's to the cool. writing. Give us, give us sort of a high level of that letter. I'll tell you what the first line said. It said, "Whatever you do, my dad said." Don't go to Cedar Rapids. Ah, that's a, that's an amazing hook right there. Yeah, so. that's like some mind, some Jedi <laughs> mind tricks. And it made them interested, <laughs> okay. and they certainly read um, the the rest of the letter. And it talked about you know growing up in the area, and you know Cedar Rapids was the big city. Like when you grew up in Manchester, you had to come to yeah. Cedar Rapids to like you know go to a movie or like go hang out. And right. so you know it was really it was always a big deal to come to Cedar Rapids. And now I'd lived in in Cleveland and Denver and Los Angeles and all these much larger yeah. cities but yet there was something calling me home and I felt like this was this was the place for me in my career that's awesome it's an awesome hook see it all goes back to that it does yeah there's a reason for all that um and then now back to today with with the library and like we like we touched on you know an amazing building all these community needs you guys are bringing to the forefront but you know libraries have have been in the conversation nationally here a little bit around some doing away with fines for books and access and some of those sort of things how are you are here in Cedar Rapids, how are you guys viewing that particular uh, debate? Well, so we're doing it. <laughs> um, we're going to start uh, July 1. So okay. the, the board has voted along with the boards of Marin and Hiawatha. So we're doing it together as the Metro Library Network. And, you know, the reason we started looking into it was through the strategic plan, a lot of um, equity issues come up when you're looking at fines and fees and who actually pays them versus mm. who doesn't pay them and is blocked from the library. And so in Cedar Rapids, we have 12,000 people. So that's almost 10% of our population who want to use the library. And we've said, no, you can't because you couldn't pay us the 20 bucks you owed us. And like when we did the mapping and did the research, these are people, the vast majority in our lowest income census tracts. And so like the honest truth is they can't pay it. And, you know, to be able to, I don't know, get a job, you might need to use a computer Mm -hmm. and come to the library to be able to eventually maybe pay that fine back. And so, you know, we're kind of setting up this really bad system that doesn't actually help people who need us the most. So there's a a deep um, philosophical connection to like why you start to look at it. But then when we did the research and looked at other libraries who've done this, it's also really shocking and kind of counterintuitive. It turns out when you get rid of fines and fees, you get more books back. 
not less books back because okay. you've you've stopped the barrier. Mm -hmm. And so even if people have kept it a little long, like there's the guilt factor, there's the embarrassment, there's the like, uh, that makes total sense. Yeah. I'm not going to do this. So I'm just going to keep it right. instead because I don't want to go in there. What's going to happen to me if I bring right? this book back like, I don't want to get late. in trouble. Yeah. And so instead, when you remove that layer of like guilt or punishment, more stuff comes back because people are like, oh, OK, I'm not going to get in trouble. Yeah. I'll just bring it. And or if you kept it too long or you have too many kids and it got under the car seat and you didn't mean to or mm -hmm. whatever. Like, again, as long as you bring it back, there's not that punishment factor. Now, if you don't bring it back, we will absolutely still charge you for the book. We will absolutely send you to a collection agency <laughs> after a length of time because, you know, the common fear is, well, you know, if we don't do fines, then nobody's ever going to bring the books back. Mm -hmm. Well, nope, it's the opposite of that. And yes, we, you know, we check out the books. We know who has them. Right. So we're going to know. Gonna if get it, some we're notices, still going to know if it was you. Correspondence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you know, a big uh, topic of conversation across the state and across many states mm -hmm. is workforce. And you know, yeah. we're in a economy as strong as this, and businesses are growing, but there's not the qualified, competent number of people to help fill those jobs. Speak a bit about the role that you view the library playing in getting kind of the current and next generation of Iowa's workforce ready to contribute to our economy. Yeah, so workforce development is so important. And what we've seen um, through, especially our library patrons, but a lot of things um, in partnership with places like Kirkwood and Iowa Works, is there's a lot of people who are employed right now because our unemployment is so low, but they just don't have the skills yeah, to skill yeah, up yeah. to that next level. And so like, what are those things? Um, we've done a lot of, a lot of research, kind of a lot of stakeholder groups, both from possible employees and employers. And a lot of stuff is soft skills, hmm. right? Like we just don't know how to work with other people, right? Or maybe we don't know what we're supposed to do at, in the workforce. And so finding ways to teach and develop those soft skills in ways that are approachable to people, especially who maybe have been in the workforce for a really long time and don't know why they're not getting the next job, yeah, right? Great. And so we have a ton of people who will come to the library and they'll be on the computers and they'll be applying for jobs and they won't be getting it and they won't be getting it. And maybe they're not the friendliest even with the library staff when they're <laughs> working. And like, how do you have those conversations with people to say like, hey, you know, maybe this soft skills class about how to communicate with your coworkers Could be for you. would be the great thing yeah. for you. Um, and so that's, you know, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is like, again, you know, new and emerging technology, how can you keep, people skilled up when things are changing all of the time and the answer is you really can't yeah. but what you can try and impart to people is is that growth mindset is that like continuous learning like we want more education and you want to keep challenging yourself because then the opportunities will come up because maybe you don't know the specific software that this company needs you to know but you can prove that you can learn yeah. and you can learn quickly and so you know that that general mindset I think is a really important space for the library to be especially because we do have we're really lucky locally that we've lot of got a lot of great people doing great work like score and um and again iowa works they're doing amazing things but they're not quite as able to get all of the people who maybe are looking for stuff right now like we are at the library sure that's exciting and then how do you guys share you know what's the mechanism by which you guys to share ideas across the library network across the united states or even the world i mean because you're you're seeing all i mean every industry is moving at a rapid yeah. pace but you know, libraries have shifted and morphed and how they're being used rapidly as well, right? Yeah. So, how, I mean, how are you keeping up with 
trends and topics and those sort of things? So membership agencies are like really, really important to us as an industry. And so there's the Iowa Library Association. There's the National Public Library Association. There's um, for urban libraries, there's actually an urban libraries council that, you know, you know, we organize really well librarians yeah. <laughs> and so there's a lot of um, imagine that there's a lot of opportunities to do that and you know like any industry there's a lot of um publications you know we do like reading and writing and so there's a lot of ways to stay connected um conferences are like far more important than you would think you right. know there's a there's an annual american library association conference which um we actually invited uh our city manager jeff Pomerantz to attend and present oh, with cool. us about the great um relationship that the city has with the library because we do have different governance which can sometimes be a challenge and like it was standing room only and people were coming up to him afterwards like all these librarians to talk about like wow how does this work and everything and he just said he's like wow these people like really like their jobs (laughs) like it was on a Saturday like people really care about this and so you know again when you go back to kind of that service profession Mm -hmm. there's a lot of motivation to do the best that you can and to make those connections and make sure that you're kind of helping each other set those national standards and that lead-in about you guys in the city and and Jeff Pomerantz presenting at the conference is sort of uh, leads me to my next question which is around like how do you if 10 years from now you're going to go give another presentation at one of these conferences about Mm -hmm. something that you've done here at Cedar Rapids that's been innovative that other people are going to pick up on are there things on your radar the trends that you think you could set here if there's a perfect world of how you would innovate or change the library system in Cedar Rapids what would be on your list man there's so many (laughs) and like I feel like I'll get in trouble because then they're going to think we have to do these things (laughs) Uh, so like you know one of the things that is it doesn't sound like all that exciting right now but it really is industry-wide just fascinating is like how we actually pay for and use materials because libraries are charged differently for digital items than you know you as the average consumer so you can go and you can buy an ebook and it's going to cost you 25 bucks okay as the library it's going to cost me 65 to 85 for the exact same title because you're going to because well, i'm going to circulate reuse, it. Yeah, circulate and then it. how many times do i get to reuse it and there's no standard in that across like different publishing houses, different places. And so it is, it is a mess. And so I would love to see, you know, a collaboration between libraries, universities, like other places to really start setting that standard to maybe even be, you know, this goes back to the, to the master's degree in creative writing. Like how can we help people be content producers and then help with like maybe some more creative commons type licensing and think about, how people can get content out there mm-hmm. in ways that is ex- maybe not free, but at least accessible to everyone. Sure. Um, because there's just, I, I think we have barely touched the tip of the iceberg on that. If you talk I, about all of you kind of joining forces yeah. through the, the coalitions of both national and regional. And yeah, there's a lot of power there. There's a lot of power. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, if we could just get organized, it's almost like we <laughs> would have a few people yeah. who know how to do that. So, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like so exciting, but, but it really is at the core because how we access information is changing so rapidly. I mean, if you think about how your kids like naturally look things up and they know how to get stuff in ways that we never would have even considered even 10 years ago. I think that content creation is going to change. And also um, we're really worried about um, AI and how people know what's real and what's fake. Yeah. Uh, And so into if there was a way for libraries to have some kind of filter, some kind of app 
that like you would be able to run something through and know is this a deep fake? Wow. Did Nate really say that? Or are we, we are just getting cutting somebody- edge here now. This is kind right? of some so mind bending. I think uh, I think there's room there. I think we could go someplace with okay. that. But you've got this amazing platform in the library. Where you'll be able to you know whatever those new needs are. Or, right? you know, Thirty years down the road with AI, you could be able to adapt to that. Um, that's great. Is there um, anything if you look at your career now and someone, whether it's your board or folks here in the community that say, hey, there, here's one hallmark characteristic about you, whether it's a leadership quality or something interpersonal that you do really well, is there kind of something you, you want to be remembered as, as a, as a leader here in the community? Well, I think what they say and what I might want to be remembered as might be slightly different. I would, I would say most people would say that I'm fairly fearless. Like I'm willing to try anything and see if it works. Sure. Um, and that's that's a basic, you know, innovation mindset. I, I would like to be remembered as always learning. Is that, you know, and like I was never so set in my ways that's great. that I wouldn't try try to learn something different or see something from a different perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. Very, very admirable. And as we talked about, super important in your role where there's all these new things coming at you and being able to just kind of live in that reality is, is very important. If you had... Uh, to contribute your success to luck versus hard work? How much would you contribute to each? I think it's probably, you know, a solid 30% luck. Okay. Um, but luck in the sense that you you know an opportunity is there mm-hmm. and you take it when you see it. Right. And then everything else is hard work because you just, you can't ever give up. You just got to keep going no matter what. Absolutely. Um, if given the chance, uh, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt i mean i'd probably go back and try being a screenwriter again because <laughs> yeah, now there's a, like a lot of now there's like a lot of opportunity yeah. out there right like there's so much content so good to all the content out there it's, yeah well it's and amazing. some of it's really bad too so i feel like i could you know maybe up the game for at least i don't know a hallmark movie or yeah. something i could do better so give me the give me the high level like the cliff notes 30 seconds like what's that give us the synopsis of the story that the screen the script you would write oh. if, you, if you had one. I know you got some you'd have to dust off maybe back from yeah, yeah. school. Or- so the uh, well the the one I the one I wrote that was actually ever produced um, in Bulgaria, by the way, never <laughs> in the United States, was a World War One zombie movie. Okay. So you know I got depth. There, oh. There's some stuff there. <laughs> I like it. Um, is there a business leader either within kind of the library um, network or even outside of that in an entirely different industry or someone that you've looked up to and admired? Oh yeah. Lots of people. I think, you know, that you, you should always be looking for mentors or people you admire and maybe, you know, it's hard right now because sometimes you think you admire someone and then we learn a little bit more about their personal life and then it gets a little more complicated. Um, but yeah, uh, Pam Smith, one of my former bosses from the library, Felton Thomas in Cleveland, there's a lot of really great people locally, you know, as, as um, I mean, Jeff Pomerantz, I talked about him. He's been a really inspirational person because he always like does the right thing. Oh, Randy Ramlow is on my board. Yeah. He is just one of the best you people. Know. And like every time he says something, I'm just like, wow. You know, you Randy's really greatest smart. accomplishment? What is his He's our greatest? very first ever guest here oh, on well, Real see, Success. Oh, well, see, there you go. See, so he is an admirable person <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Another example. Um, no, Randy's great. Uh, favorite podcast or TV show? Well, I mean, we're all supposed to say this one, right? Like, this is my no, favorite. I mean, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I, I, like, have the sense of humor of a 14-year-old boy, so I pretty much only watch half-hour comedy. Okay. Um, so, uh, The Good Place is, mm-hmm. like, a great, great show. And I'm compl- I'm also a complete and total nerd, so I'm obsessed with The Mandalorian. Okay. Like, Baby Yoda. If you have not seen the <laughs> memes of Baby that. Yoda, you really got to get on that. It nice. is It is life-changing. What's that? What what network's that on? The Mandalorian. It's, then, it's of course, new Disney Plus because oh, we're creating Disney even Plus. new content streams. Anyway, right here we now. go. 
Uh, motivational quote. Now we're, now we're getting to some of the fun stuff. Here. We're talking about books and quotes yeah. from a librarian. We need to... Okay, so my one of my favorite quotes ever, like personally, is um, from Kurt Vonnegut, who is one of my absolute favorite authors, and it is, we have to continually be jumping off cliffs and developing our wings on the way down. And I think that's just, you know, if you don't take risks, I love then it. you're never yeah. going to get anywhere. And for other people, though, my favorite quote ever is, the only thing that you absolutely have to know is the location of the library. And that's from Albert Einstein. That, <laughs> that should hang in the, in the front doorway I mean, of the right? library. And it very well could. Um, that's awesome. 30 extra minutes in a day, what would you do? I mean, I'd at least read for a few more, but I would probably spend like a lot more time with my kids, go do something outside. Sure. That's great. I uh, wouldn't work 30 minutes more. Yeah. How about... Most influential book. Now, this could be a business book. Now, this is the fun. This is the, the hard one for the librarian. Okay, so, I mean, I already said Kurt Vonnegut. Cat's uh -huh. Cradle is, like, the greatest book of all time. Like, it's definitely a desert island read. But, like, as far as business books go, I, I love Brene Brown. Um, I, I, I will brag for a moment. I am even quoted in Brene Brown's Dare nice. to Lead, a leadership book that just came out last year. Okay. So that one's really good. And then um, the city does some amazing like book club stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we're we're reading as an entire city some of Cy Wakeman's books, like uh, reality-based lead leadership. The library, the book we club? don't. Oh. We are members of the book nice. club. Nice. Who runs a that? Nice twist. City manager's office. Cool. Yeah, right? That's fun. That When I talk to other library directors, that is not a common thing for most um, <laughs> municipal cities across the country. That's a, it's a pretty big deal that we do a book club here. Very cool. Uh, and then finally, if you just had one sentence, how would you define success? Okay, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to use a quote here. Okay. To know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived, that is true success. And that's Ralph Waldo Emerson. Awesome. We've got some Emerson and Einstein and Vonnegut all all almost like one. I read things. The, the Holy Trinity. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you so much, Dar, for taking time. Thank you for all you do for the community. And it's been, been a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. Thank you.